0: And now, right to your hosts of Down the Garden Path, Joanne Shaw and Matthew Dressing.
1: Hello and welcome to Down the Garden Path, where each week we discuss down-to-earth tips and advice while doing our best to help you seasonally manage your garden and landscape. I'm Joanne Shaw, owner of Down to Earth Landscape Design, and with me is my co-host Matthew Dressing. Hello, Matthew. Good evening. Hello, Joanne, and good evening everyone, and thank you for
0: joining us. I'm Matthew Dressing, owner of Natural Affinity Garden Design. As landscape designers and gardeners, we believe it is important and possible to have great gardens which are sustainable and low maintenance and we want to help you make it happen.
1: That's right and tonight uh, we continue our new month uh, with the month of July. We're talking shrubs and uh, we're doing our deep dive on shrubs and this month or this week we are uh, talking about we're continuing our discussion <laughs> about hydrangeas. So this is our second, is a two-part series. So it's a part two of a two-part series. So if you missed last week, we talked about hydrangeas last week too. So you can catch up on that. Um, but we are talking uh, about hydrangeas this week uh, as, a, as a two-part. Because hydrangeas is such a big topic and we know everybody loves them. And there's so many varieties and uh, so many cultivars that we knew we had to break it into two. So we want you to join the conversation. If you have a question about your garden, have a question about your hydrangeas, please send your questions to instudio 101 at gmail.com. Matt and I love ask, answering those questions. Please tell us where you are. We love that too. That helps us with zones and, and things like that. and we just love list, knowing where our listeners are coming from. So we really enjoy that. And uh, we are so last week, so for the listeners to do a little recap right, Matt, last week we talked about the aborescence and the quirk, I know we say it wrong. quicofolia, right? <laughs> yep. Does it, right? Yes. So Annabelle hydrangeas and Oakleaf hydrangeas. Today we are going to talk about panaculata and serrata mac- and, and a little bit about macrophilia, macrophilia um, hydrangeas. Um, I call them the unicorn uh, because uh, you can't really, you know, it's really hard to get them to do what you want them to do. But uh, <laughs> really, there's so much to talk about. And we could do a show just on panaculatas, right? Limelight. Uh, a little lime, you know, that kind of thing. So um, so yeah, so we're excited to talk about this topic, aren't we? We are indeed, yes. Um, and
0: I was wanted to start out um, as we dive right into uh, whichever one we would like to talk about first. Um, but a lot of uh, people talk about the name, the name hydrangea. And we yeah. get Uh, The origin of the name, obviously, uh, or maybe not obviously, but it is Greek. uh, And as the hydrangea kind of suggests, the first part of the word comes from the Greek word hydro, meaning water. But the other half of the word actually comes from the Greek word agos. And apologies, I don't speak Greek, uh, but agos. And they refer to the actual uh, not for a love of water, but refers to the cup shaped fruit that the hydrangea leaves behind, as it reminded the Greeks of their water jars that they used to carry back and forth from the villages. So we know it today as hydrangeas loving water. And as we've talked about, they do love moist, uh, loamy, well drained soils, partial to full sun. Uh, but yeah, and so we think, you know, water, hydra, hydrangea, hydration water but it actually refers to the uh jar-like fruit that the Greeks uh reminded them of their own water jars so just it's interesting, interesting, interesting yeah. yeah
1: so why <laughs> would it be Greek too and not Latin
0: just where the
1: the wording came from oh, I am not sure okay. who I know the... put you on the spot there yeah Woo-hoo! the love hanging the... <laughs> you love it when I hang you out to dry I know yeah. I know <laughs> no no I, and
0: I I did try to look to see who named it but I couldn't uh Come up with who ended up naming it, so Hmm. uh, or where that wording came from, but that is what it means. Very cool. uh, Shall we jump into hydrangeas, paniculata, or
1: I think so. Let's do paniculata. I mean, that's my favorite, and that's probably the biggest group, right? Most certainly. Um, But we just have to make sure that we leave time to make sure to talk about the other two, (laughs) because I think, like (laughs) I said, we could talk the whole show about paniculatas. So yeah, go for it. Yeah, so uh, panicle hydrangeas,
0: as they're often called, they're very well known. Um, They're probably one of the most used hydrangea of all the different species, uh, especially in the North American garden. But they're known for that uh, typical panicle or that cone or pyramid shaped flower. So hydrangea paniculata or that panicle hydrangea, they're native to China and Japan. The size can vary by cultivar, and we'll jump into some of our uh, favorites and why we love all of those as well. I'm sure if you are a longtime listener or a regular listener, you could probably name Joanne's favorite right now. (laughs) But (laughs) they all vary by size by cultivars, and we're seeing new dwarf cultivars that are being bred, uh, such as Bobo. And they're going to range anywhere from two and a half feet to 10 feet tall and wide. And some of the older cultivars, a lot of the ones that you don't often see now anymore on uh, like in the market or your garden centers. And this mm, is more true maybe for us, or at least in our experience. uh, But some of the older cultivars that we used to see often uh, can grow anywhere from 15 to 20 feet uh, tall and wide as well. So we see a lot of the ones that are ranging in, you know, that two and a half to 10 feet nowadays in the garden centers. So a little bit about more about the appearance. So the leaves are oppositely held. So the leaves are held, if you don't know that, it's just like side by side uh, on the stem or opposite uh, side of the stem. They're usually about three to six inches long, uh, about, depending on the cultivar again, about a half inch to three inches wide, uh, a serrated margin, so that toothed margin, they're nice dark green, and they have a slight pubescence uh, to them. So they're like, like a slight fuzzy appear uh, like touch to them, not that they look fuzzy, uh, but when you touch them, they kind of have that little bit of a texture. When you see them, they're going to form an upright, low branching tree or uh, large shrub, and they can take on kind of an arching habit, especially when they start to bloom uh, through their bloom period, they get the weight of those big pyramidal or con- con- conical uh, panicles, and they tend to uh, droop over.
1: Although, th- despite the fact that they droop, they are on very woody. Like it's a it's a tree. Like it's not like when you think of a shrub. Um, and often, and we'll talk about the macrophylia ones later. But the you know the Easter you know think about what the ones you see more commonly at Easter, where the 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 plant is very green and very um, you know uh, I don't know soft I guess soft stems and things like that. You know certainly the pan- panaculata. Um, is very woody like and when and before it blooms out like when you have to trim it or before it blooms or leaves out in the in the spring it's a brown like woody shrub you know so it's got a good structure and uh, so yeah so I think that's one of the reasons I love it like you know there yes you know we talked about the Annabelle hydrangea last week and and the different situations on why it's, it's softer and it's droopy. Um, And there was some debate actually in the Facebook group about it too. When I said, you know, I don't think you should prune it. I think you should just, um, you know, and other people were like, no, no, you know, I didn't prune it last year and it was super floppy and I pruned it this year and it's better. And, you know, so there's, everybody's conditions are so different. Right. Um, But certainly the, the, uh, the hydrangea, like I think of limelight or the, the pink diamond, which has been around a long time, right? Oh, yeah. It's, it's a woody, like, so as, as much as it's kind of droopy, it's not as droopy as, you know, Annabelle or any of the other softer stemmed. Is that, like, is there a technical or sign you and the science, is there a scientific name <laughs> for the, the stem being, gr- like, like those stems versus the woody stem, or is that just?
0: Just the degree of lignin, like, yeah, it's just a softer, yeah. newer stem. It hasn't lignified or or turn to completely to wood, but excellent point. Yeah. They're not going to flop over and, and bow uh, like straight down to the ground, uh, like the Annabelle's and a super floppy or a really big head. There's definitely some structure, and some, uh, good woodiness uh, to that, those stems. And they're just gently arching. Uh, mm-hmm. As we kind of say that like that, not a super dry, I say droopy, but yeah, it, it's just a slight arch. It's not like a full on the ground.
1: Right. Dro- yeah, like yeah. they're not falling to the ground and, and no that kind of thing. No, no. But nothing. even yeah, but even with that, even with the woodiness of the stems, you could still cut them. You know, I have we have I've packed with all my neighbors and my girlfriends in the neighborhood that they can come when my limelight's blooming, and they have to cut from the back, but they can take you know <laughs> bunches of hydrangeas and cut them and take them home, and you know have you know bouquets of flowers in the house. So. Um, even though it's a woody branch and, you know, other things like forsythia is woody. Like there are other things that you can cut, lilacs are woody, right? And, and stuff. But um, so, yeah, so it's, it's still a a hardy, you still can cut it and enjoy it as a cut flower.
0: Exactly. And if you take a look, um, there's some new hydrangeas, some new panicle hydrangeas approaching the market. There's a new series. And I want to say that the breeder, I want to say is in France. Or somewhere nearby, a European breeder, uh, but they've created—and I, I apologize—I don't have the name—but they've created the magical series. And this, the, you can get um, like magical hydrangeas. You can get magical uh, Saint John's wort. So there's a number of different uh, shrubs, more shrubs, I believe, than perennials at the moment uh, under the magical branch. But they've been designed to have a thicker stalk and a longer bloom so that they're actually for those cut flowers and those bringing in those stems to use indoors they tend to last a little longer and bloom a little longer mm-hmm. or stronger. okay
1: plants nouveau i'd use the google um oh so plants there you go. New, does that help plants nouveau magical series so That's magical it. amazon uh amore um yeah they tend to they look more like the um Macrophilia uh, varieties. I continue to say that wrong, don't I? Um, you... No, Macrophilia's right. Okay, <laughs> Macrophilia's right. Yeah. Oh, here's a uh, magic candle. That's is, the one. a yes. uh, hydrangea or magical fire, there. there's so two or magical flame. So there you go. There's a few. So that's interesting. Yeah, that is one thing, I, you know, as long as I've been designing and you could probably say the same with, you know, your school and you working at the nurseries too, you know, they've introduced, you know, in like in our career, like I think of in 15 years, they've introduced more hy- new hydrangeas in the last three years than they did like in the prior eight years. Don't you think?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that goes kind of back to those, you know, those older funiculatas that grow so big. We just, those, we just don't see them anymore, but they used to be, that's all that was. Yeah. There's so many. Yeah. I mean ones. like the
1: peak diamond, you know, so then they came out with limelight and we were using limelight and then they came out with little lime and we were happy with limelight and little lime for a long time. And then poof, they just oh, yeah. like, whew, it blew up, you know, quick fire, then little quick fire. Um, yeah. Little so- lime, limelight lime prime. Yeah, it's, it's really, I mean, and then the whole little like lamb and little lamb and Bobo and, and uh, yeah, it's, it's really kind of incredible. Um, And I know it's, there are different growers in there that are kind of competing. So, um, you know, and I don't have the statistics on that. And I don't think that really matters to us gardeners. You know, I think that's the. That's the business behind it. Um, but I think as gardeners and designers, if we like limelight, we like limelight. If we like vanilla strawberry, we like vanilla strawberry, you know, um, and from that standpoint, as far as the shape and the color and the, and the transition over the season. So, so yeah, so um, we definitely love our hydrangeas though. I counted, I think last week, didn't I say I had six varieties yes. in my yard? Um, so I certainly have limelight. I have Bobo. I have little quick fire. Um, Those are my um, Panaculata varieties that I have. Um, And uh, yeah, so that, uh, and I use those a lot in my designs as well. I mean, I love that they're structured. Um, I love the long blooming. I definitely am noticing, I've always been a fan of Little Quickfire and I promoted that a lot because it's an early bloomer, Mm. Um, but I have actually been impressed by my Bobo's Um, They are pretty much on par, you know, with little quick fire as far as blooming goes, Um, you know, limelight still three weeks away, I'm sure, Um, which is fine, but because it is a bigger plant and I did cut mine back really, really hard in March, um, because it needed some, some of that. Um, So yeah, so and you mentioned, you know, growing conditions, you know, that they like it well, moist and well drained, which is like, you know, perfect conditions, but in my experience, like once they're established, they are pretty good. Definitely. And that's definitely
0: something to note about the conditions with any of the panicle hydrangeas. They're definitely the most versatile and adaptable to their conditions and especially uh, very tolerant of urban conditions. So they can take uh, our urban conditions, those tight spaces, the city, the pollution, that kind of stuff, that drought really and that heat really easily. Uh, so they are great um Great that way. Definitely very versatile. So there's always a hydrangea that are, that's out there for for you. Uh, And I think the the paniculata group definitely have something for everyone as far as shape, size, color, Mm -hmm. uh, bloom
1: time, I think everyone's going to find something. Mm -hmm. And even in, even those apartment dwellers or small, um, small space gardeners, I had a little lime hydrangea, Pinaculata, little lime hydrangea in a container um, for several seasons. And that was my uh, instead of annuals, I put the little lime uh, in a a pot, uh, in an urn at my front door. Now I did for the winter you know sink that take i had it in like in a liner and i took it out and sunk that in the ground and then in the spring i took it out um i've heard of other people that have been successful at keeping them in a garage for the winter uh that kind of thing so yeah there really is a hydrangea for everybody i i really believe that um and i think especially if you can get just two even if you just get two or th- two seasons out of it Um, it's almost as economical as annuals you know or like because seriously I think my um, for sure my uh, oh my gosh what's the red flower mandevilla mandevillas are more expensive to put in a container than it is uh, than a hydrangea so um, and you know more more challenging to bring in and try to save it for the next season so yeah definitely think outside the box uh, with hydrangeas um, definitely give them a try that way. So, uh, so yeah, and design-wise, there's a lot of options and a lot of um, uh, ways to kind of create just, you know, multiple hydrangeas can be in a garden successfully and having different colors and different shapes and different sizes. Uh, you can really, uh, really create a beautiful garden uh, with them. Um, how are we doing for questions? I know it's usually a popular topic. <laughs> we do have a couple that have popped in. Uh, Elise
0: has written in, uh, Hi, love the show. How do you propagate hydrangeas? Oh, I am listening in Burlington, Ontario. Excellent. Welcome, Elise. Elise. Um, Yeah, so it's best to propagate them um, from softer wood cuttings in May, June or July. You can do it by simply leaving them in water and letting them root, but you could also do them with some powder uh, in a lice or a coarse uh, soil with either just straight vermiculite uh, or, you know, a, a nice light, well-drained uh, potting mix uh, as well. But keep, keep in mind that a lot of the cultivars are cultivated varieties and actually have plant patents on them. Oh. So not that there are magical plant police that uh, are <laughs> over our heads, but, you know, the, it is um, illegal to propagate and resell these Okay. Herbicides just to put that out there, um, I'm sure that there are people out there who are doing it to, you know, they need a few more for their garden or they're just
1: experimenting or whatever. But watch from their friend's garden and their mom's garden. They want to want to try it and stuff like that. So you said May, June and July. So we could do that now. Like you could take a cutting now. Right. And root it in water. That's right. Wow. So you could root it in the water.
0: Uh, mm. And then just, yeah, plant it up that way. And I've seen them with blooms on them, a couple of leaves. You want one or two of those nodes and away you go. But wow. Yeah, so so at least if they're... you've
1: got that much time on your hands, I've got some work you can do for me. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Because <laughs> uh, I, I mean, it is a time consuming thing because it's it's going to be a while before it's a it's a plant. Like it's a shrub, right? Right. And okay. that's where you mm-hmm. get the shrubs yeah. in the garden center. that You know, they're of a
0: certain size, some small, some very large. But there are a few years behind the production cycle of right. those ones, depending on who it is and and you know mm-hmm. how big you find it in the garden center.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So thanks very. Kid- Just kidding, Elise, sorry. <laughs> thank you for your question though. <laughs> and thank you for listening. Um, very much. Claudette is also written in. Hi, listening to you from
0: Los Angeles today. No questions for you, but enjoying the show. Oh. So thank you very much, uh, Claudette. And we do see Chase. Uh, and I do see uh, Ben's question. I hope you guys are listening. You guys are moving into our our next group of hydrangeas we're going to talk about very shortly. Uh, but we will definitely answer your questions because those are in our notes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I well, let's finish off the... Um, uh, paniculatas, as we head towards the bottom okay. of the hour. And then uh, Ben and Chase, hold on. We've got the answers to your questions coming right up. Excellent. So, we talked about conditions, um, right? So, you know, that like the other ones, low, moist, well drained, those perfect conditions. But again, very versatile, tolerant of urban conditions, very adaptable once they get established. Um, most of the paniculatas are going to be partial to full sun. So again, most of them tend to be that partial shade creature. And then the paniculatas are definitely a group that are going to tolerate that Full, full sun. Uh, they're also very fast growing. So when I said you know there's a hydrangea for everyone that that shape, that size, that color. Know your space, right? And remember designing for low maintenance is find the plants that fit that garden bed, uh, not something that grows over or is too little, and then you have weed space or you're cutting it back. Uh, so you know Bobo's very small and very floriferous uh, for a nice small garden. But things like Phantom are ten by ten. So mm-hmm. you yeah, know what Phantom. a great show these heads are the the pentacles can be as big as our heads when they're at maturity but you know for a three foot garden that's not going to be the one they're very fast growing they're not something that you can keep shearing back like you know a boxwood or a yew or a burning bush and and keep compact so take a look at your hydrangeas there's one that'll fit in your space no pruning great color long flowering they're also very hardy we didn't touch on the zones Mm -hmm. uh, but you'll find them from zones three to eight. And it's the, one of the groups uh, of the hydrangeas, the paniculatus, is one of those species that is the most, one of the most cold, hardy hydrangeas. So like you were saying, they're, they're easy to winter. They're great in a container. Um, yeah, they're very, very hardy. Blooming As we were saying, um, you know, that pyramid or cone shape, that's that panicle Mm -hmm. type flower structure. We're going to see a lot of them come out or all of them come out white. Some things like limelight come out with a little bit more of a, a bright chartreuse to start with before they go to white. Uh, But then they'll stay white for quite a while before moving into different pinks, purples, or reds, depending on that cultivars. And uh, like you were saying, quickfire, you love it because it turns a little earlier uh, than the other ones. And it gives you that big, beautiful reddish pink, those really dark, intense tones. Pinky Winky is another one. Uh, another classic one with that the nice dark color as she turns uh, as the season grows. The paniculatas also grow on that new wood. They're going to bloom on the new wood so the new growth that comes out the buds are going to develop as the new growth expands uh and they're going to give you those that new uh those blooms on that new wood Mm -hmm. if you have some confusion about the new and the old wood because we've got a lot to cover um don't forget to go back into your favorite podcast provider check out our 2018 discussion on hydrangeas. Uh, We went into, you know, the overall planting, how to plant hydrangeas, how to care for hydrangeas, what the watering requirements are on a regular basis. But we also talk about the difference in in pruning and the blooming on old wood and the blooming on new wood. So there's a lot of great information. uh, If you just throw in Down the Garden Path podcast, into your favorite provider and mm-hmm. uh, listen to that show. It's wonderful.
1: I'll just quickly say that as far as the old wood or the new wood is, that's why um, if you wanting something like lime White, limelight or phantom, the ones that get really big, if you do need to kind of control its size, um june is or may and june is not the time to prune them back and cut them back it's really before they have started to bud out any of those leaf buds have started to come out so i um every few years i try to do it in march um i'll post a picture it looks looks like i it looks like i crucified those those hydrangeas on how hard (laughs) i cut them back um but now they're leafing out um And uh, then they will bloom. So, because I think if you cut them, you can, you're not going to kill them by trimming them in May or June, but you're just going to really delay the bloom time. So Mm -hmm. I'm still going to get the blooms, I think by the end of July, like I normally would um, by pruning them really, really hard in March. So it's one of those things, you know, usually in March, we're telling people get out of the garden, don't walk in the garden, don't do anything in the garden. But that's one of the one things you can do is go in and any hydrate, any pinoculata hydrangea that you really want to control the size. Um, probably wajilia's too, but we'll talk about that on the wajilia show. Um, that's the time to do it, so that you are, you know, getting it pruned before the new growth starts, and and that you won't impact the growth uh, and the the delay of the the delay of the flower. So. Yeah. So, and some of the bigger varieties, I think, take a little bit longer to bloom. I don't know if it's because of their size or just because of the variety. So like I I mentioned, you know, my little Quickfire and my little, and my Bobo, you know, they're already blooming. Um, You know, certainly the Annabelle that we talked about last week and the Oakleaf hydrangea that we talked about last week have been blooming for a while. And uh, so, yeah, so I think there's a variety of different bloom times, which is cool. And, um, and like Matt said, you know, the, the transition of colors. And I think I don't know about quickfire, but I know little quickfire, the one the other things I like about it is that the leaves, not quite like the, the oak leaf hydrangea, but the leaves actually turn a color too, which I like. Um, so I'm not sure if that's the case with pinky winky or quick, the, the larger quickfire. Um, so it's really interesting to know. That each one has something different, you know, sometimes they re-release plants, but there's very subtle differences between them. But I think they've done a really good job with the Pinnaculatus family. And that each one is there is something substantially different, whether it's the size, whether it's the leaf, whether it's the bloom size or the bloom coloring. Um, it really is interesting. And uh, I wish I had room for more. And I, I will squeeze in more if I can. Um, but uh, yeah, so, uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm excited about, uh, I love that series. I love that family, Pinnaculatus. So, as can you tell? <laughs> yes. <laughs> if you listen to you, you regularly. Yes. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's or right. sure. Yeah.
0: You could guess that quick fire, a little quick fire. What were your favorite.
1: Yeah. I mean, unfortunately it. I planted, like I have six of them. So really I'm like, I've got, cause I'm planting a lot in groups of threes. Um, so really I'm taking up valuable space for other ones. Right. Cause if I had <laughs> one of each, but, uh, but yeah, I think that the, just the groupings uh, look for me, it is the kind of garden I like. Um, but uh, you know, if you uh, love varieties, then then definitely go for one of this and one of that. I, I think that's cool too. So yeah. Uh, So, yeah. So I think they're really like they're they're almost a sure thing. Like as long as you give it a little bit of TLC, um, you know, certainly the Annabelle needs a lot more TLC when you first plant it, especially if you're planting them in the summer. But even the you know, I think that's something that Pinaculata really do establish pretty quickly. Agreed. Agreed.
0: As we reach the bottom of the hour, do we want to say anything more about one of our favorite hydrangea groups of the paniculatas? We talked about, I don't know, the cultivars and our favorite ones. Talked about the blooming time, uh, the different conditions, the appearance. It's native, I think. Uh, I have no
1: more questions about Mm. paniculatas. I don't think it's native, though, is it? Sorry. No, 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 just where it's native to. We said oh, it's okay. China Sorry. and Japan is where it's right. 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 Yeah, we'd love to hear. So if there are some listeners and you have a favorite, um, we'd love to hear that too, whether it's during the show or for our po- anybody who's listening to this later as a podcast, then please email us. Um, that's about to tell you what that email address is, but we'd love to hear uh, what your favorite and what your experience is. Um, and like Los Angeles, I don't know, can you, are you growing hydrangeas there? Um, our listener who's from there. So I know our zone, like, you know, zones, it changes as to what uh, varieties, um, but we would love to hear. And I know it's big in the floral industries, you know, wedding bouquets, different things like that, right. Next to the peony, I'm sure it's tulips and peony and the hydrangeas, I'm sure are pretty popular. Um, so, yeah, so I can talk about hydrangeas every week, but uh, let's stop now <laughs> and uh, Matt will update you on our show. And then we're going to talk about the serratas, which I don't have and don't use often. And so I'm looking forward to learning more about that variety. Very cool. Yes. Yeah,
0: so, thank you, everybody. Uh, for joining us here live on reality radio 101 i'm matthew dressing here with my co-host joanne shaw and you're listening to down the garden path joanne and i enjoy hosting down the garden path each week bringing you interesting and relevant topics to help you achieve a great garden we learn right along with you from our research and from the guests that join us here on the show don't forget you can spend more time with us down the garden path you can follow us on instagram and join our facebook group our handle there is at Down the Garden Path Podcast. You can also find us on your favorite podcast provider. And while you're there, please hit that subscribe button to be notified of new content. And please don't forget to like, share, and leave us a comment. We love hearing from you. And you can always reach us here at Reality Radio 101. The, you can write us at instudio101 at gmail.com. And you can also find us on our own websites. You can find Joanna down the number to earth. .ca, and you can find me at naturalaffinity.ca. So the serrata group. So for those who of you may have not heard about them, uh, it's hydrangea serrata, or it's hydrangea macrophylla subspecies serrata. There's a lot of similarities between the two. Uh, they're called the mountain hydrangeas, and they're native to Japan. And what mostly distinguishes these two is the macrophylla, the typical macrophylla uh, a type, just hydrangea uh, macrophylla. Going into Ben's question, uh, is that classic one with just that round, big, wide ball in varying shape and depth. And that's often called uh, the mop head. Sometimes uh, it's more the, the flower shape than the specific uh, hydrangea macrophylla. I've also heard Annabelle's or just any hydrangeas, you know, it's that mop head type, that round ball type thing, uh, on that, my hydrangea, it's that one. Uh, so Ben, so can refer to just kind of that big round, uh, mop head, whereas that cone is the paniculata, uh, or the panicle hydrangea. And then our serratas or the mountain hydrangeas, uh, tend to have the lace cap mm. hy- flower bloom, right? So these are the ones that are flat, they're usually uh, about three to four inches uh, wide. They're circular. It's a lace cap type. So what you see is the true flowers are in the middle of the flower. They're those little little balls, much like a uh, poinsettia, and then you get it surrounded by the bracts around the, the around surrounding the the true flowers. Uh, so these guys bloom again uh, anywhere from about uh, midsummer all the way through. Some are reblooming. Uh, some are not. Uh, but yeah, so the, the, I'm losing myself on my notes. Apologies. <laughs> <laughs> so so yes, uh, you get the bracts and flowers. They're going to bloom from that time, much like the other hydrangeas. And then these groups going into, I think it was Chase's question, much like their macrophylla or mop head cousins, uh, they can switch colors in their flowers as well. Uh, so Chase, I think where was Chase's question here? Color change. Chase wrote... Uh, is this crazy or what? Someone told me that I can change the colors of my hydrangeas from pink to blue and vice versa.
1: What? what uh, with spray paint? How is this possible? <laughs> Thanks. So uh, depends. so oh Chase, it depends on the variety. So if you have exactly right the Serrata or the macrophylla, those are the ones that are going to flip
0: the two. So what you do, the Annabelle's you're not going to be able to change their color. The paniculata is when you lower the acidity, and this is how we change their color. When it's a neutral acidity in the pH, the pH is usually six or higher. The blooms come out more of a pink color. When you lower the acidity acidity from about a five to a 5.5 pH, they turn to a blue. When they're caught in between, they kind of have a purpley pink color. Uh, they, They technically call that blurple. Uh, in the hydrangea group, and bloomstruck
1: macrophylla usually likes to call it blurple. <laughs> really, and yeah. now to miss you misquoted because you did say paniculata, but you mean serrata or macrophylla. Sorry, serrata
0: and macrophylla. Yeah. Yes, sorry. yes, not the paniculata. Where I was going with the paniculata is um, with lowering the, the acidity. There are reports that certain paniculatas, uh, when they start to change color, can intensify the color that they present as they change throughout the season i've i've never experienced that myself i don't know if you've seen that by acidifying like one of your uh little quick fires but i hear different i've read different posts and i've heard mm-hmm. from different people who come into the garden center uh that by acidifying or because they're near cedars or an evergreen it comes out a little bit more intense but the true color change is the macrophyllas and the serratas.
1: right so by lowering the acidity you can change it and it naturally occurs Right. But it's not like so I know there's been some people on the Facebook group like, well, I added the, you know, the aluminum sulfate last weekend, and right. this weekend, it's still pink. So it's not like spray paint purchase Chase that, you know, it is a progression. So it's something that you have to continue to mend the soil with that you have to, uh, you know, build, it has to build up in the soil, and it will slowly, it's not going to wake up one day and go, you know, one day be pink and the next day be purple. It's going to be a transition. So it is a high, like, which, you know, goes to why it's not one of my favorites is because it is such a high maintenance plant in that regard. So, so, and I kind of say it's like the unicorn, like the purple or the blue hydrangea is, Is, you know, like there, it's just so much work and effort. And, and I've seen some posts from people who've literally tried for five years and added like tons and tons of aluminum sulfate to make it blue and it hasn't happened. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah no you're right and changing
0: the ph is something like permanently especially it's something that's very hard to do so you had it exactly that aluminum sulfate or just that uh sulfur dipping the the ph in the the soil and that's what changes the color is that the free aluminum ions mm-hmm. uh making them blue and bonding with an acid and i won't go to that but yeah it is it is something you need to do very regularly and you can't do instantly it's not
1: an instant right. change and i think that like the easter the easter hydrangeas are the ones in a pot um because it's in a pot it's a container yes i think it's it's a little bit different right because i think it's more concentrated and and uh you know but once you put those in the garden and then now it's diluted and then your watering is diluted and the soil is diluted and and like you know it's it's a different ball game so um so i think that's why and it's it's I have to say it's a little bit of a pet peeve for me because I think it's, it gets, especially new gardeners, it really sets them up to thinking they've done something wrong or they're not good at it. You know, I really feel like it sets, it it really sets those expectations so, so high um, and makes them, you know, and I see it every day. There is a post about they're blue hydrangea, not being blue, or they're not inability to change color, or inability to make it bloom every single day. And I and my heart breaks, because I think it's, you know, you see those magazine pictures, and you see the tag and the pretty thing at the nursery. And, um, you know, and it really sets up people to be discouraged. And, and I feel bad about that, which is part of why one for my clients, I really use the panaculadas. And I recommend them here on the show, because I I really feel like it's it's our duty to set you up for success. To me, you're coming to us for low maintenance um, tips. And uh, so yeah, I'll get off my soapbox now. Matt's like, (laughs) no, 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 you're right. Like, I just feel bad for those every post. Like I finally I had to stop responding and like explaining because I just thought I'm, I just am so sad. So and I know that's not the case. I know the blooming part is an issue with the, with our frost and there's definitely parts of the world and parts of the GTA, even where no problem, you have no problem doing it. I get that. Um, you know, there's always my, but my friend can do it. No problem. Like, but it's, our gardens aren't all created equal, unfortunately, and our, and our climate and our zones and the amount of sun and our growing conditions aren't always created equally. So it's not all about the plant. Right. It's not all about the plant and it's not all about you doing something wrong. You
0: may not have done anything wrong, uh, but it's just we have that plant in that place and she's just kind of doing her best. Yeah. So like a couple of things that um, uh, you had said, they you will find them blue in the garden center because they can go blue. But you can formulate and compose or, or build your soil to be acidic to start with. And then like you were saying, it's concentrated in that pot. And as the roots expand, you still have to change the pH for that root zone area. So as the root zones get bigger, you're putting more and more aluminum sulfate down because the percentage of what the aluminum sulfate is changing the pH, that water, you know, like half the water is, is pH neutral, the other half where you have put the thing isn't and then you're in between or just it wasn't strong enough or there's not enough Mm -hmm. aluminum ions in the flowers anymore because she's drawing from such a huge space so she's not taking up the aluminum ions she needs to do that yeah Mm -hmm. and then we were saying too just going on to about the macrophylla so these mop heads or the big leaf hydrangeas they're also called they are tend to be a lot more unreliable for blooming regularly those new buds that get burnt in the frost or dry out during drought as they're developed uh but the serratas the lace types or the mountain hydrangeas are a lot more resistant to that so they do mm-hmm. although they look the same they have that different that lace cap head they do bloom a lot more reliably than those mop head macrophilus excellent uh, the spring
1: ones, too. yeah so if you do want the pink or the bluey pink or the blurple as you called it Matt, <laughs> um and you want to experiment with that then you definitely are um you know i think ha- will have a bit more success with the serratas like tough stuff um as a chase like it versus the mop head like the true mop heads like the endless summer series um right. you know so it's like endless disappointment i don't know um, no you're the right serratas, you know and maybe you know i'd love to do this where maybe maybe it is something you do grow in a pot like uh, you know i've done my little lime in a pot but maybe if you bought a blue hydrangea and you kept it in a pot and maybe you transplanted it to a bigger pot a bigger container and amended the soil like maybe that's the way to kind of tuck them in in your in your garden in containers to keep them blue and then in the winter you put them you know in the fall you put them in the ground and then in the spring you take them back out again i'd love to hear if someone's been successful that way yeah nope that's an excellent experiment
0: yeah but just before we dive into some notable cultivars for Serrata, um uh let's talk about a little bit about their appearance um so the size is going to vary they're going to grow anywhere from 18 inches tall to about five feet tall and wide. And the spread is often equal to uh, or slightly wider than the height of the plant. So might be 18 by 22, might be 18 by 24, might be 5 by 6, but that's cultivar uh, dependent. Mm-hmm. The leaves, again, are oppositely held, two to six inches long, about an inch to two and a half inches wide, uh, finely or coarsely serried on the margin, so those little teeth on the edges of the leaf. Nice and dark green. Uh, with a thick and waxy feel so that, that big leaf they're almost like plastic to me uh i think they're yeah. very
1: are the leaves the same as uh as the macrophylla ones
0: very very similar yeah okay. almost identical okay. cuz okay. and then that's where like in the beginning where there's a kind of that debate where it's all hydrangea macrophylla and serrata is a subspecies because okay. you do get hydrangea macrophylla twist and shout so it's an endless series one uh, but it has the lace cap flower, but it is oh, technically okay. a macrophylla. So they're still they're still kind of out on the yeah. classification of them, but they're very related. So yeah, they very look very, very similar and feel similar.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you're gonna get an upright rounded shrub of thick and usually unbranched stems. They're usually just they go straight up. Um they're just they're they are just they they do not have like they don't branch multiple times uh it's true about a lot of them but i think Mm -hmm. paniculata can break or branch out a little bit more than Mm -hmm.
1: annabelle or or serrata for sure Mm -hmm. they're all about the same size too like and you don't see them as standards like you don't see them as small trees um and they do kind of go the three to five kind of range right where whereas like we mentioned the paniculatas, we can go from five to just 10 feet with phantom that kind of thing the definitely the um the serratus the stay all about the same size, you know, which is good to know that it's consistent. And I know I just talked about containers or not containers and Mike had just mentioned, you know, planters are planting in the soil. That is the question, what to do for all the varieties dig the yard or the planters. And Mike, there's lots of choices there. Like I I think, you know, if you really do want to play with the serratas and, and play with the soil, then maybe that's an option as far as keeping it in a container. But like I said, with the little limelight, for instance, I think it puts on a really great show in a container and it's cheaper to buy at retail than it is to buy, you know, a tropical plant or a whole bunch of annuals. So, so yeah, so I don't think you can go wrong. I really don't oh you're muted oh i was just go. agreeing with you were you agreeing with me <laughs> silently agree. and mute silently, but yeah. i know thank you for the question mike um yeah so oh the- this is a good oh. one i've never heard of this question jake is a very good question Oh, what's uh, I haven't. Uh, oh, I say, may I please have your professional opinions whew, uh, regarding companion plants to complement my hydrangeas? I can't decide. Help! Wow, that's a very good question. I don't know that you can go wrong. No, I.
0: It go, kind of goes. It's one of those plants. It's like a, a good piece of a wardrobe, right? That just kind of goes with everything. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. just kind of complement everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, they tend to be coarser in texture, so I mean, you could think of that way. You could juxtapose some things, but other than that. uh, Yeah, I mean, I love my U-Hedge.
1: So Mm -hmm. I must say, uh, I must say, Jake, that, um, you know, on both sides of my front door, you know, I know not to do symmetry, but I have, you know, rounded like U hedges on the right and on the left. And on my right side, it's behind the U hedge is the Annabelle hydrangeas because it's east facing less sun. And then my east to southeast get uh, or my limelight hydrangeas kind of bordered by. I love the look of that, of having like a low dense U hedge evergreen all year and having the hydrangeas you know cascading over them I think that's something I know the guys will usually the when the contractors will say you know what what's going on there's no use in this design like who who are you you know so I definitely love that as far as like I know it's a little bit more formal. I always joke that that hides the weeds, Jake, because you can't see, you know, the weeds at the base of the plants because the U-hedge hides it. Um, So that's kind of one of my one of my techniques, Um, although my low hydrangeas definitely uh, border my garden, which borders the street. I have catmint and Roseanne and I think my Roseanne, I have one uh, that's climbed my mat. You should see how high it's climbed kind of cl- grown and it's in the, my Oak leaf hydrangea. It's like it's kind of, it's almost like it's now become a vine. It's climbed in amongst my Oak leaf hydrangea, literally three and a half feet off the ground are these little purple flowers peeking out around the Oak leaf hydrangea. So I think something with a different color, like flower, obviously, um, works well as a companion plant but like a contrasting like I like the deep purples um you know as much as I do boxwood hedge would work well you know I think evergreens really highlight um the hydrangeas personally so I don't know do you have a favorite
0: do I have a favorite does that go with the hydrangeas no I don't that's okay yeah no I I again they're one of those pieces that mix and match so well with so many different things that Yeah. I like using them with almost everything. Okay. Well, thank you. But yeah, great question, Jake. Yeah. For sure. Um, Just as we get closer to the last 15 minutes, um, just to make a couple notes, we haven't really said anything about uh, the cultivars of our of our serratas mm. uh, right so we do see the yeah. endless summer twist and shout it is a macrophylla very related looking like she'll grow about five by five she has a lace cap we'll go pink and blue uh, but we've talked about that but a lot of the newer ones that are really tough on the uh, market right now you're going to find in your garden center is the tiny tough stuff series and these guys are going to grow 18 inches by 18 inches anywhere up to that about tiny Yep, anywhere out to about uh, three feet by three feet. So we have tiny tough stuff, tiny tough stuff red, which gets a little bit more of those reds in there in the in the flowers, and then tiny tough stuff aha, and uh, these guys are great low maintenance, uh, partial sun to full sun. Uh, tiny tough stuff uh, aha, I believe, uh, is good for full shade. Or, or a, a darker what, shade than a what partner. color is aha? Uh-huh. I'm not familiar. It goes that pink and blue as well. So it's oh, usually okay. pink and the neutral and the in the lace cap. Okay. So take a look at those. They're great. They're smart. They're nice, dense, rounded form plants, okay. uh, looking very sharp uh, in the garden center right now for sure. And
1: did you say the tough stuff can do shade? A tough stuff aha, uh-huh, I believe is the one. If I
0: remember okay. correctly,
1: that is the one that does better shade. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, so maybe if they're that tiny, I might be able to find a spot for them. Might find a couple of little sungrannies. I might have to try. I might have to try. The other thing I think, I guess, is I also am not crazy about that color, pink. So I think maybe that's also why I'm, you know. But uh, but yeah, it's worth <laughs> a try. You know, I do love t- <laughs> testing them, and I did mention last week how I I'm trying the uh, little limetta, um, you know, which is the dwarf Annabelle hydrangea that I I planted that in the garden last fall to test it. Out and I'm so far very very impressed. So um, so yeah, yeah. my meta is beautiful.
0: Um. So as we get to the last ten minutes, I think we have a couple questions related to our hydrangeas as well, such as Monica's written in. Uh, I have brown spots on my hydrangeas. Can't send a pic since I'm on vacation. Well, we hope you are enjoying your vacation, Monica, yes. wherever you might be. Um, but yes, your little brown spots. Uh, we often will see a little bit of leaf spot uh, that will appear on our hydrangeas, especially when they get grown in uh, and get a little larger. But also, uh, some of them are often very susceptible, especially in container-grown plants. So you might have gotten it from the nursery, uh, where they have lots of plants, they're in tight, they're overhead watered. That tends to be an issue or, or something that pops up. It's not life-threatening for your plant. Uh, it will kill it. Uh, But just, you know, keeping the waters off the leaves, do a little bit of sanitation, you could spray something like um, a Defender or uh, Defender by Safers is one of my favorite fungicides, uh, or some sort of garden fungicide or garden sulfur, you could apply that to kind of help control it or knock it down. We'll remove Mm -hmm. the spots, but it'll help stop it from spreading as quickly
1: mm-hmm. if at all do, do you find some of that happens like lately here in the gta i can't speak to everywhere but with the whole scattered shower thing like we've had hot weather hot days and then we'll get like a sporadic like bloom you know sunshine like um uh, downpour and then five minutes later it's hot screaming sun screaming sun again and i think that's the old you know like the droplets on the leaves uh becoming a, almost like a magnifying a glass like is that just like a, a wives tale or does that really happen uh, i i i don't think it actually does but and i've
0: been kind of <laughs> i don't know i've been kind of like fighting with that one myself because I, I i forget where i wish i could tell you right now uh, but I was just reading online like three or four days ago about that and whether or not that actually happened. So I was doing a little bit of research. So yes, that is the thing where they, you know, the, the magnifying glass on the leaf lens kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I've heard other things where it, it mm-hmm. really doesn't, but so yeah. I'm kind of now, I'm now on
1: the fence about it, to be honest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. Well, that's something maybe our listeners can look out for. So I think that, yeah. You know, and then not always does that happen. Like we get a rain shower and then it stops and it might still be pretty cloudy. But I know we've had some of those days where like, holy cow, we went from like, you know, zero to a hundred there and, and stuff like that. So especially like the limelights and the ones that might not be blooming or the, even the serratas and the, and the, I think their leaves are a little bit more fragile. The serratas and the macrophilis, the leaves, and even the Annabelle leaves are fairly fragile. I find, I think, I feel like I can walk through and jump around my, my limelight, you know, my pinaculata leaves and, you know, don't really damage much, but I have to be much more gentle, um, with the, uh, with the aborescence and, um, the other leaves. I you find that, yeah, Annabelle taints a nice color, nice texture,
0: but they're very, I find they're very thin. So they bend and bruise easily. And then the macrophyllas are so thick and fleshy that mm. when you do bruise them, or they either just flat out snap like a succulent leaf or they bruise like a succulent leaf and they just look so bad because they're just so filled with water. They just like crush under there. Yes. Yeah. I, so I do. I find that too, especially working in the garden just when you get them, crushed in or someone's pushed them together, you get all this weirdness on them. And it's not that they're diseased. This is, they've been beaten up. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Same with delivery. Like they're so fragile, like to get them delivered to site. Like you're like, yeah, yeah. You know, the homeowners are like, what is that? You know, it takes a little bit for them to kind of, you know, recover, Kind of thing. So, um, Chris has written in, uh, hi, just love your show. Are ornamental grasses considered perennials? Um, absolutely, Chris. And we are not covering them in, we didn't cover them in this in last month's uh, perennials um, series, but we did cover them in 2020, right, Matt? We had a whole show dedicated to ornamental grasses
0: that's right
1: we did that's it. right so yeah so check out our podcast um you know down the garden path on your favorite podcast app chris and uh look for the perennial show it would have been um june uh 2020 that's right i yeah. don't have it up anymore to give you that date but yes it is june 2020 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for sure um, that somebody asked, well, they're asking specifically, so this is Susan. Hi, Susan. Thank you for listening um, she's one of our longtime listeners. Um, how often should we be fertilizing our perennials? Should we be fertilizing at all? And if so, what do you recommend as a good general fertilizer for a wide variety of plants? And I want to talk to speak to that about hydrangeas too, because I think people ask about what should we be doing to fertilize our hydrangeas. Mm -hmm. So we mentioned on the show before, right, Matt, that really our goal is always to recommend you just improving the soil and adding compost and manure. And if you're adding and improving your soil, then you don't really have to worry about a specific kind of fertilizer, right? Right. Usually the amendments like a nice
0: rich compost, Uh, We'll basically have all the nutrients and help break down and and improve that soil biology to release even nutrients that are already there, uh, dead insect, other things. It'll just basically kind of do its thing uh, Mm -hmm. and feed it up for sure, for sure.
1: And other than that, like water soluble? um... If you really
0: needed to, like you lost all the phosphorus in the soil type thing because it is a limited resource. Uh, You could, yeah, if it was in blooming time, you could do something like a 15, 30, 15, water-soluble every two weeks or once a month, depending on your situation. Mm -hmm. Uh, But again, uh, blooming, and that's what I would do, sorry, Susan, for like all the perennials, especially now that it's after Canada Day. um, They're all going to be more herbaceous growth, so if they die off in a frost or some cold, that's fine, they'll go to sleep. Uh, but then you're building those roots or feeding those flowers as you're feeding with that, like 15, 30, 15. Because if it's not in flower, that phosphorus is building those roots and those root stores. Um, so that's what I, I would use. And I was going to say something else, but now I've totally jumped off topic
1: so no that's okay that's okay and <laughs> Winnie's, that gonna ba- Winnie's gonna build it bake us a cake so thank you winnie uh she said she loved the information tonight very educational thanks for the free advice someday we will bake you cake for all your great information well our birthday is on august 9th winnie so but we're not going to do a show august 9th so either the august the date of the Monday before or the monday after right gary um so and, i'll take and, the uh, cake though i know i know so <laughs> thank you winnie that's lovely um and we love doing this oh my goodness you know we've been doing it a long time And uh, we really do, like, I hope you can tell everybody how much we love talking about every different plant that we get every week, right? We have a different, um, so we love all these great questions and we love uh, that you're telling us where you're calling from. Um, And uh, yeah, Um, and you know, the season continues. So we're like already mid July and it's been a little cool. We've kind of had a, you know, kind of a bit of a downturn in the weather, but hoping it, it picks back up again. Yeah. And things at the garden center as we wrap up. Yeah.
0: I'm designing still and things at the garden center, getting prepped for school. A lot of busy, busy things uh, going on. Happily busy, loving the busy. Oh, good. Uh, so sure. when do
1: you start your next class that you're teaching?
0: Well, it'll start in September, like the, oh, okay. the
1: fall semester. But,
0: <laughs> but I like to get as many new pictures. And oh, I'm yes,
1: yes, yes. Build the projects. Right, so. right. Excellent, excellent. And same, I've been posting some. My garden's doing really well. I think it has been happy about the water um, and the rain that we've had and and stuff. So I've been posting. Um, so you can certainly check out. I've got some videos, too, on uh, on our Down the Garden podcast down the garden path podcast, Instagram, but I have been posting them um, to my uh, personal, uh, you know, my business uh, Instagram as well. I don't know if you saw my orange um, cone flower looked amazing Mm -hmm. um, the other day. So I took a beautiful picture of that um, and I've taken some videos and things like that of how uh, the garden's looking. My little hydrangeas that do border, you know, border, kind of border my garden and border the road are all uh, budding and leafing and happy. Um, and my catmint's going to make a second flush of flowers. So, yeah, so I'm 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 still filling in. I still find little spots. I planted some lavender this weekend and some more um, creeping thyme. That's been really successful for me to be an, a really nice uh, ground cover um, instead of a mulch. Um, I haven't had the energy to want to do a mulch. So I've been trying to <laughs> just fill in with ground covers instead uh so yeah so that's kind of what's been going on still designing um i'm booking september can you believe it uh for new designs so um so yeah I so believe it. we are excited to continue our we're talking about shrubs next week what are we we're talking which ones are Well, we're talking about nine barks right that's right we're talking about nine barks next monday the 19th and the 26th
0: We're gonna round out of the month with a look at the wonderful world of wigelia or white however awesome. you see that's right So thank you, everybody, for spending another Monday evening with us. We appreciate your time, and we love the company uh, here on Down the Garden Path on Reality Radio 101, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to Down the Garden Path with your hosts, Joanne Shaw and Matthew Dressing, right here on Reality Radio 101.